it doesn't take a genius analyst to realize at that size, you have to be able to run past defenders. And he hasn't really demonstrated any ability to do those things. Welcome in to the first ever episode of the Hot Read Podcast. I'm Easton Fries, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are brought to you today by the 440 Podcast Network, and I'm joined by my official co-host of the show, James Foster of No Flags Film on Patreon, YouTube, and Twitter. James, welcome to the new show. I'm excited that we uh, finally got this rebrand done. Um, the uh, the design guys did a great job with the logo great and everything. Job. We were kind of kind of in that weird um, no man's land transitional period where it was like, <laughs> you know, just working on the rebrand, trying to get everything right. But I'm glad yeah. that uh, we can kind of establish it and, and go forward. Well, in the final episode of the Titans 10 on Friday, I mentioned that um, it didn't take Sherlock Holmes to notice that there hasn't been an episode of this podcast, even remotely close to 10 minutes long in like a month. And so that wasn't on purpose. And if you listen to the first ever episode we did with James uh, about a month ago, we mentioned that there were going to be some changes coming in a potential rebrand. And we've been working on that for about a month and it took longer than we expected, but we wanted to get it right. And I think that we have, the art is fantastic. I think our vision for what this show is going to be going forward is fantastic. We kind of, like you said, did a, uh, a trial run in no man's land for the last month with all this draft content. Obviously the draft is your, um, it's, it's kind of your, your expertise, obviously during the season, you'll have a lot to say about the X's and O's of the Titans and, um, looking at things from that, uh, analytical standpoint. You, I know that you chart, is it, is it true that you chart out every single play, uh, for the Titans all year long? I do every single play. I have, um, a little over a hundred columns of data that I have charted. So that's, <sighs> Um, you know, what type of front are the Titans in? What type of coverage are they running? Are they are they running cover three? Are they running three cloud? Are they running three sky? Are they running three buzz? Where is Jeffrey Simmons lined up? Just does Jeffrey Simmons record a pressure? Uh, what pass rush move does Jeffrey Simmons use? And so now I have like a video library where I can just uh, basically sort and be like, all right, let me watch Harold Landry swim moves that results in a pressure. All right, there's seven plays. Let's go. You know, so exactly. Uh, yeah, I'll have a lot of insight and uh, and, right, and you, so and if you are interested in access to that video, library, hey, there you I have go. it all up on Patreon on Huddle and uh, great user interface, way better than NFL Game Pass. And, exactly, uh, and super it. affordable. So Explore. that's shameless yep. plug there. But that so this this last month has been a, a trial run. Um, I think that the show, in terms of what's changing, just to let everybody in on on how the show is going to go now. Um, we have loved the way that the show's gone during this month leading up to the draft. Um, I don't think that that's going to really change much. The, the rebrand is is kind of um, from an art uh, brand standpoint more than it is changing what the show is. Obviously, the show, when James came on, became very different than what it was last season during the year. And But that's kind of what the show is going to be. Um, once the draft is over, we'll take the show in different directions. But it's going to be a longer form podcast show. We'll have, uh, you know, various topics and, and segments, I'm sure, that we do recurringly during the season next year. We're going to continue to do uh, the show after the draft. We'll do reaction to the draft, I'm sure, the week or two afterwards. 
we'll do all kinds of off season things. We've got some guests already uh, planned. Uh, you know, we're, we're brewing up ideas for the off season. We'll be going all the way through the summer and then ramping back up, of course, once the regular season starts, but I'm really excited to uh, see where this takes us and see where this new show goes again. You know, I, thank you to everybody that listened to the Titans 10. And uh, I hope that if you really enjoyed that product, you'll enjoy this one as well. And I know that you'll enjoy James because he brings so much to the show that I could not alone. So I'm excited to get into that. Today, we're going to get into some a, a prime example of something that James brings to this show that I could not. Like like you were saying, James, you you kind of are the the Nashville football media market's own little PFF athletic guy, right? Like you're doing uh, all this hype. stuff at a local level that those guys are doing on a national level. So it's even more detailed, even more accurate, dare I say, uh, being on the inside and focusing on the Titans specifically. And so that's why your draft Intel is so valuable to Titans fans, because it's from a Titans perspective. A lot of the time you can give a detailed Titans draft analysis perspective that doesn't involve the, the general national pitfalls of linebacker or quarterback or not understanding what it is the Titans need and what the state of this team is. And so today I'm interested uh, in a couple of different topics that we have set up here. These are players you've gone through your big draft board, which you have up on your Patreon. Again, it's never too late. Go check that out. Um, you can see this, this, well, is this, is this a, are these filters available to people on your draft board or no? Uh, yes. So I'm actually uh, working on getting my Excel file organized um, to be as user-friendly as possible. So okay. in addition to my draft guide, you will have access to an Excel file where it's got uh, grades, like all my draft grades for every single player. It's got their consensus board ranking. It's got their relative athletic score. It's got all of their combine measurables with color-coded percentiles by their position. And, you know, you can sort through everything. You can see, like, let me look at cornerbacks with a RAS over 90 or over nine and like under 22 years old, that kind of stuff. So um, that's basically what I did is entered in the athletic consensus board, which Arif Hassan at the athletic does a great job every year um, aggregating all of the consensus boards uh, or all of the draft boards around draft media into a consensus board. Uh, and I just kind of uh, was, I've been, you know, looking at, at, uh, some comparisons for like guys that I'm higher on guys that I'm lower on. And uh, we are just kind of going to go through uh, a lot of those guys. I do have to say though, back to your earlier point about national media, like not having a good, uh, you know, pulse on, on team needs for the Titans. I just did a full seven round mock draft with trades for every single team. Mm. Um, that sounds and, like a which, nightmare. <laughs> which, which I mean, this pot, this podcast episode is starting to sound like an infomercial, but I just posted that on Patreon. But um, I was, it is so tough. Like it's so tough to draft for other teams. I was oh, literally I'm sure. I'm just to tell you, like, just to show like how much work I put into this uh, seven round mock. It would be like the fifth round pick, and I'm going on like the Bears Reddit to see what their fan base like, like who else they're, they, they think right. they, 
you know? Well, in local, and, I mean, on a local scale, they tend to have a much better finger on the pulse of, of where the team might be going. Like, I think that that's no, a pretty, exactly. a pretty that's, valuable uh, you know, resource teams, there. If I need to find a team's draft needs, it's more uh, reliable to me to go literally go to that team's Reddit and type yes. in draft and then click on some threads than it is to look up their needs because um, like there's a lot of, you know, so I, I tried to, I tried to like really uh, make it what, what the teams would do, but going through and looking at the halls for each individual team, like, dude, I screwed over the chargers. If I posted it <laughs> pub, like on YouTube, chargers fans would hate it, but it ream you and probably rightfully so. Yeah. 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 So like, it, it's one of those things. If, if I needed a seven round mock draft for a team that I wasn't familiar with, who would, who would you trust to give me a more accurate, like if I was betting on these players to go to this team, who would you bet on being a more accurate source for that information? Would you bet on, you know, a James Foster or an Easton freeze of the world in any given market? Or would you bet on, you know, even like a Daniel Jeremiah who's doing this on a national scale and they do a great job and their Intel, especially in the, the beginning of the draft, first round area, second round, like, their, their analysis of these players, like they do a great job, their biggest blind spot. And it's not something that they can really control is just knowing the, the detailed perspective of each team. So with that in mind, so so the reason I say that is just to like on Twitter and stuff, it's okay to like correct people, obviously, but it's not like we do need to kind of lay off of them because like, you I don't was, do it spitefully. Was, They're not doing I was listening it on purpose. To, I was listening to um, Lance Zerline who does grades for NFL.com, yep. his podcast. They were, ta- he was talking about how like uh, fan bases will, you know, correct him about team needs in their mocks and like his approach is like, okay, thank you. I mean, there are a yes. lot of pe- great people that cover teams locally that have way more, you know, like I, 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 like every living breathing moment is spent like working on football analysis. I couldn't tell you just off the top of my head about the Detroit lions linebacker depth and like exactly. whether it makes sense to add a linebacker in the third round or whatever, you know, like, yeah. so yeah, just obviously correct, correct. Anytime somebody uh, mocks a linebacker, but there's no reason to, to be a dick about it. You don't have to, yeah. You don't have to treat them like an idiot. They're they're. I mean, maybe they are an idiot, but it's not because they, don't have a good finger on the pulse of the safety depth of X team. So with that in mind, we're going to go through with the, with the Titans top of mind, these different filters on your draft board. We're going to talk about some of these players that, like you said, you're a little bit higher on than the consensus that you're a little bit lower on than the consensus. We've got a handful of different categories in that vein. So the first of which we'll start with players that you are higher on than the consensus. So these are guys that James Foster at no flags film is a bigger fan of than the consensus. I'll, I'm just going to read through the list here. I'll read, I'll read the full list, and then we're going to go back and touch on a couple of guys that I think are particularly uh, relevant to the Titans in their situation in this draft. So on this list, Dawson Deaton from Texas Tech is an inside or interior offensive lineman. Uh, that's the biggest difference. He's uh, 160, uh, 160 spots different between the consensus and no flags film. Keontae Ingram from USC, a halfback, 148 differential. Zach Tom, that's a guy we'll come back to out of Wake Forest. He's a tackle, uh, 117th, 117 spot differential. DeLauren Turner-Yell out of Oklahoma, he's a safety, 117 different uh, difference in spots. 
Donovan West out of Arizona State, an inside, interior offensive lineman, rather. You have 107 different spots between them. And Demario Williams out of Houston is a cornerback, 100 different spots. Offensive tackle, tackle Kellen Deitch out of Arizona State. Out, eh, out of Arizona State, I can't speak all of a sudden. 99 different spots. Ben Brown out of Ole Miss is an interior offensive lineman. 95 different spots. Joshua Azidu, Ez, Ez, I think. Azidu out of North Carolina is an interior offensive lineman. 92 difference. Uh, and Christopher Hinton out of Michigan, defensive lineman, 87 a different spot. So that was a ton of information and credit to you if you remembered any of it. We'll go back and let's touch on a couple of these guys that are particularly relevant to the Titans. The first of which, and the clear and obvious one, is Zach Tom. He's a guy that has been talked about quite a bit in Titans uh, mock draft culture. Is that a thing? The Titans mock draft uh, ecosystem. He's a very popular one um, with a lot of people. And I think for good reason, he's a guy that you may have really um, pioneered the, the popularity of him. I don't know if that was a you thing or if that was somebody else, but I know you've been high on him for a long time. He's a tackle out of wake forest. Like I said, 117 different spots between the, um, the consensus has him at 163rd overall. You have him at 46th overall. You have a mid second round grade on him. Tell me a little bit about Tom and, and more particularly why you think you might be a little higher than the consensus on him. Yeah. So Zach Tom is, is really interesting. Um, He's a guy that I discovered actually watching, um, watching Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state, the edge rusher. Um, and I mean, he pretty much shut Jermaine Johnson down. I, I watched the first half and Jermaine Johnson was lining up over the left tackle, Zach Tom, zero pressures, and then got to the second half. It's like, Oh, looks like they moved him over to the other side. Um, and so Zach Tom was a guy that I had marked that I needed to watch early. Um, really the only thing that he doesn't have, uh, is, is size and length. And that's, uh, that's maybe a reason why some team, why some people in the media are projecting him to play on the interior. The other reason that people in the media are projecting him to play inside is because that's where he played at the Shrine Bowl. I think he played center at the Shrine Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so that's that was kind of what you know people people saw a, a slightly undersized tackle. Uh, that was playing on the inside in one of these bowl games. And they're like, okay, teams are, are looking at him as, um, as a guard or something. The reality though, is that they, the shrine bowl just didn't ha- have enough centers. And so Zach Tom was like, yeah, I can play center. I've snapped before. And so played center there, but um, apparently teams actually view him as a tackle, which, I mean, I think his hands are so good that he really, my comp form is Rashawn Slater Um is just a, an under kind of undersized guy um, without great length, but amazing hand usage, amazing balance. And so I think he would be a phenomenal value uh, with that third round pick. Okay. Interesting. So that's, that's a guy that the Titans could definitely be targeting uh, in the draft. Another guy on this list of, of players that you're really high on that I'd like to discuss is Kellen Deach out of Arizona state 99 difference between your rank of 75 on Kellen and the consensus at 174. He's an offensive tackle, by the way, you have a late third round uh, draft rate on him. What are your thoughts on Kellen? And why do you think you're higher on him than others? 
Yeah, I was actually surprised how much higher I was on Kellen Deesh uh, than the consensus. He's a really weird player because he's so like high cut um, and just seems kind of like top heavy in terms of his weight displacement. Hmm. Uh, but as a tackle, he's just a perfect fit uh, for a zone blocking scheme with what he can do athletically. The problem with Kellen Deesh though is that like I mentioned, the high cut build. So he just really struggles with his anchor. Um, and he's also going to be 24.68 years old uh, when he gets drafted. So older player with yep. some weight and length concerns, but movement skills are top notch. And to me, he kind of projects as like that, that third to fourth round guy that you draft uh, that can just be like the sixth swing tackle, which is a valuable roster spot and so i think uh i would what is what's his consensus rank uh kellen deesh 174 174 i would be be shocked if he made it that far um but we'll see interesting and i guess the the last couple of guys that are probably pretty relevant to the titans just because of the offensive line need that they they have ben brown out of ole miss and joshua Izidu out of North Carolina, both interior offensive linemen. Uh, Izidu, the consensus has him at 151. You have him within your top 60 at 59. You have an early third round grade. So he's a guy that the Titans could consider going after for some line depth. Let's talk about him more. Brown, you have a mid sixth round pick. Um, You basically have him as a draftable player. The consensus has him as undraftable. So that's a little bit less relevant. What are your thoughts on Joshua? Yeah, Joshua Azidu is definitely one of my guys. Um, and the thing with, you know, these the difference in the consensus board is like Ben Brown's 279 on the consensus board. I have him at 184. And so that's a difference of 95 picks. But when you get to the mid-six, when you get to like the fifth to seventh round, it's like a difference of 50 to 100 spots is not as as you know pronounced of a difference as it would be with like day one day two players um but yeah zidu is is someone that i have an early third round grade on great length uh generates a ton of of force and power as a run blocker uh he played left tackle and left guard and i like i actually thought that he played pretty well at tackle uh the difference between him and someone like Kenyon green who also played left tackle and left guard is pretty negligible to me i mean i like i think that they're very similar prospects and when you think about you know when you compare Kenyon green in the first round to azidu sometime on day three i think that joshua azidu is way better value okay all right so those are the guys that you are higher on than the consensus this next category i think is almost more important um, at least in my eyes, because <laughs> these these are guys that you want to, as a Titans fan, you want them to go before you would even think the Titans might consider taking them. Like these are the please stay away, um, at least in your eyes, based on your grade. These are guys that you are much lower on than the consensus. So the full list, De'Aaron Kendrick out of Georgia as a cornerback, you have him 141 spots lower. 
Wandale Robinson will definitely come back and talk about out of Kentucky, a wide receiver, 92 spots lower. Logan Bruss out of Wisconsin is a tackle, 92 spots lower. Zachary Carter out of Florida is an edge player, 89 spots lower on your board. Isaiah Likely is another guy I want to talk about out of Coastal Carolina. He's a tight end, 88 spots lower on your board. Jojo Doman, Doman, one of the two, out of Nebraska. He's a linebacker at 87 spots lower. Justin Ross out of Clemson is a wide receiver. Another guy I'd like to talk about, 84 spots lower. Jalen Weidermeyer, or Weidermeyer, I've never known how to say that because I, I don't Weidermeyer. care for this. Weidermeyer, I, we do not care for this player. I do not, you do not. Out of Texas A&M, you have him 77 spots lower. Josh Job out of Alabama is a cornerback, 74 spots lower. And Christian Harris out of Alabama is a linebacker, 72 spots lower. So a handful of guys here that I'd like to talk about, the first of which, Wandale Robinson, or as I like to refer to him, uh, significantly worse Calvin Austin III. Uh, he's a wide receiver out of Kentucky. You have him 92 spots lower on your board. The consensus has him somehow at 87 overall. You have him at 179. Tell our audience a little bit about why this player is not it in your mind, and and then I'd like for us to discuss why we think the consensus is higher on him than they should be. Yeah, so Wandale Robinson is kind of in this category of of small gadget players that people fall in love with. But so working against Wandale Robinson is the fact that none of these gadget players have really worked out or been that successful in the NFL. Right. Um, My comp for him is Jakeem Grant. Uh, And a lot of our listeners will say who? when I compare Wandale Robinson to these gadget guys like Rondell Moore or um, uh, who's the guy that plays for the Rams and he was like a, a, a beast in college um, anyways, but like when I compare Wandale to those guys who the other guy that I'm blanking on, he doesn't really do anything better than those guys. I mean, like Rondell Moore is a very similar player stylistically, but Rondell Moore was a far better prospect in almost every category um, if you look at Wondell Robinson's measurements, five foot eight, 170, that's second percentile height, sixth percentile weight, 27.63 inch arms, which is zeroth percentile, nine inch hands, 20th percentile, and then ran a four, 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 which is fine. But if you're going to be one of these, if you're going to be at a like real size and weight disadvantage, you need to make up for that. You need to test off the charts like Calvin Austin did. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's a combination of not really knowing what his role would be. Um, not really having many like high end traits, you know, his right. balls are okay. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't really run very crisp routes for someone of, of his kind of play style. Like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't really impressed with his route breaks. So yeah, he's, he's someone that I'm lower on. I, it would be hard for me to see the Titans picking him that highly because I think they do have a type of, of really coveting bigger receivers. And so I think that Wandale Robinson might be lower on their board than, um, I mean, I'm I'm sure than the consensus. I mean, <laughs> right. Expect, was Tutu Atwell the player you were trying to think of? No, but that's another good uh, player. That's another good example. The guy I was trying to think of is like uh, an older player, legendary uh, highlight video in college. He was like a top 10 pick or something receiver. Um, so the, he played for the Rams a while ago? 
No, he plays for the Rams now. I'm all right. You you continue. I'll look that up. You look it up. Um, but I agree entirely. Uh, Wandale again at his at his size, frame, and weight. You have to as a wide receiver in the league. It, it's really it doesn't take a genius analyst to realize at that size you have to be able to run past defenders. Um, that's the only way you're going to succeed. You have to be able to either run past them or shake them in a route, get significant separation with your acceleration. And he hasn't really demonstrated any ability to do those things, both in his athletic testing and in his tape study. Like, I, I don't understand what it is about this guy. Maybe I need to just go and, and read some different write-ups on him from people that have him higher because I don't understand what it is they see. And for some boards, I've seen boards that have him above Calvin Austin, the third out of Memphis, who's very similar size and weight, but has the wheels to get past guys and just be a burner to have him above a guy like Calvin Austin doesn't make any sense to me. Um, He's a guy that if you're a Titans fan, I would put a red flag next to that on your, your uh, draft board and, and say, please do not even consider this player. Did you find the Rams player you were thinking of? No, dude. It's not Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin. And he doesn't it is play Tavon Austin? Okay, <laughs> Tavon Austin. Yeah, he's uh, he is 185 pounds and five, 5'10", I believe. Yeah, 5'10". So, yeah, another gadget guy that in the similar vein doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the ability to shake receivers and and was a stud in college. And, like, you can, you can get away with that in college, especially against some lesser um, – some lesser – competition competition thank you don't know how to speak um but in the nfl like you said it's it's just it's not going to do you any any favors not being able to you, i just don't see any way you can succeed um yeah, with I mean, that all frame of, all of these guys that we're talking about most of them are good college players but we're yeah. projecting to the nfl where it's a completely different game with a completely different league of athletes and i wandale just doesn't really have it from a traits perspective in my opinion so let's go to the next guy, Isaiah Likely. He's a tight end out of Coastal Carolina. He's a guy that I have seen some people in the Titans mock draft ecosystem like this guy um, for the for the Titans as a possibility in the later rounds. You have him 88 spots lower on your board at 177. The consensus on him is, is 89 within the top 90. Tell me a little bit about Likely. He's a guy in this tight end class. He's the least tight end of all of them. His, his blocking ability is from what I can gather, pretty non-existent, and he's mm-hmm. just an oversized receiver, yeah? Yeah, no, he's one of these um, oversized receivers. Like, you know, played slot receiver for Coastal Carolina. Um, I thought that he was, you know, when you're evaluating tight ends and especially guys who are who are undersized and, and don't necessarily project as great blockers, you do kind of – you look for – how willing they are as blockers because that's a big thing in terms of like projecting their ability to develop um and so i would look at a guy like chig aconqua who's undersized but tenacious blocker like Mm -hmm. had a pancake on uh, aiden hutchinson you know so isaiah likely has that like he's he's kind of scrappy but man at his size and and his size and weight, Isaiah likely, let's see, 6'4", 245. That's just, you know, 
running a four, eight flat in the 40, that's just not really like a position in the NFL. That's, that's my biggest thing with Isaiah likely is I just, he's just too in between. I don't know what position he would play. He doesn't have, he's not dynamic enough to be a good receiver, a standalone receiver. And he doesn't offer anything as a blocker that would project him to be a, a a great tight end. And so he's kind of like this H back um, type of type of player. That's just, you know, underwhelming athletic testing, like his jumps were good, but uh, really bad numbers in the three cone and the shuttle. Another thing with Isaiah likely is he has a really weird running style that is not necessarily a part of my evaluation, but it's impossible to ignore. Like it's just not very aesthetically pleasing to watch mm. the way him. he looks like he's trying to hold in a poop and he's heading to the bathroom. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. Then that, yeah. I mean, that demonstrates, that gives me a mental picture of what we're kind of like about. waddles around the field. I don't know. Mm. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to talk that much crap on him, but yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's not someone that I, I think, uh, would really add that much to the Titans tight end room. Like they already had Anthony Ferkser and they let him go. Um, I would also kind of like side note, not expect the Titans to target tight end that early and as a side note i would also not be surprised if the titans didn't draft a tight end until like the sixth round because my sort of my sort of guess is that they don't really value the tight end position that that highly they think that it's a a position that they can uh just kind of get by with with minimal investment because you look at what they did to address the tight end position last year. It was essentially nothing. They just kind of punted on that position. Um, bring in Austin Hooper. I think that the Titans really feel that they have like fully addressed the tight end position. They might want to get a young developmental guy in there, but uh, I think I'm afraid did, of that as well. I think I'm, I, not I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm re- not really afraid of it. Really, uh, I don't agree at all that they've fully addressed the tight end position. I mean, they, in if we're looking at just this year, perhaps. Right. But I mean, you like. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I think like, I think you take I think you take a, a guy with athletic traits on day three and and get him in the development cycle. But right. Um. Yeah, I think the idea of them like taking a, a third round tight end that would shock me. Well, it would shock me for anybody besides a single tight end in this in this draft class who we've who we've, we've talked about. But um, you know, if if it's not Trey McBride, it it certainly wouldn't make any sense, right? But even if they did that, that would shock you if they were to find themselves in a position like maybe they trade back and they have a second and a third, or maybe a second and two thirds, or something like that, and they and they decide to take him off the board. Would that really shock you all that much? I don't know, shock, but it would it would surprise me. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. At the tight end position as well, a guy that we don't have to spend much time on because we, you know, I, again, I don't like to, you know, talk badly of, we're not talking badly of the person, but we're talking badly of the player. Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M, he is 135th on the consensus board, and that's significantly lower than he was earlier on in the process. He's precipitously fallen on all boards, um, and on your board, he is 77 spots lower than that at 212. Tell me a little bit about what happened. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this chart and you have the late sixth round grade on him. Um, 
21.36 years of age. And then the next, the next column is RAS, which is relative athletic score, which is just a, an evaluation one zero to 10, or maybe it's one to 10, um, zero to uh, 10, zero. Okay. Zero to 10 on a, a player's purely athletic profile. Um, and so a lot of these guys are in the the green and the yellow at like sets, you know, four five, six are the low end. And then seven, eight, nine are these guys going in the second, third round. He's a 1.0. He's the lowest of anybody on this entire list that I have, which is m- maybe 50 players. And I, he may be the lowest on your draft board, but that's dramatic. Yeah. So Jalen Weidermeyer is actually of the 291 players that I've evaluated. He is the second worst athlete, according to relative <laughs> athletic score, Neil Farrell, junior nose tackle out of LSU is the worst um, Sorry, Neil. But yeah, Jalen Weidemeyer had a very productive 2020 season, and he was kind of uh, he was high on he was tight end one, you know, by consensus heading right. into the year. Uh, had just some terrible drop problems uh, this season, and then doesn't add anything as a blocker. And he's it's not just that he's a like below average or you know middling athlete he's his athletic profile is like borderline unplayable in the nfl like a a a 502 40 with a 178 10 yard split like you have to be fast to be a um legitimate threat as a receiver in the nfl like what are the most common routes that tight ends run seam routes drag routes deep crossers essentially just like straight lines, you know, that's why really with tight end, like speed 40 yard dash, that's the most important combine number. Um, you know, he had a one Oh nine broad jump, which is 15th percentile. It's just, I think that I, I, he doesn't check enough boxes, I think to be a draftable player for most teams. Um, and similar is another guy that actually the biggest difference that I have is Darian Kendrick out of Georgia, mm. who number one has off the field issues and ran a four, seven, nine, 40 yard dash, which like for a cornerback is disastrous. Physically, physically can't play cornerback in the NFL. Right. His RAS is 1.54 on here. Yeah. So those are, those are two guys that honestly, you know, it says that I'm lower on them, but I would expect the NFL to be lower on them than the consensus by yeah. a, a pretty significant margin. Agreed. This last guy on here that I want to talk about before we move on to the next category is Justin Ross out of Clemson. He's a wide receiver. The consensus board has him at 113th. You have him 84 spots lower at 197. This guy's an interesting case study. Um, he, he's somebody that this season didn't go exactly as planned for him. You might can get into that a little bit more. Um, and with him, it's a lot of it's a lot of projection um, in terms of his draftability, what he could be in the NFL. There, there's there's been a lot of guessing that I've heard going on. What what do you know about that? Why are you lower on him? Yeah, he's a projection. It's it's he's like he's a project in the sense that he is unrefined technically and like needs to improve his skill set. Mm-hmm. but he's not a project in the sense that he has like all these athletic traits that you're wanting to bet on. I mean, he's tall and has good length, but a one, seven, six, 10 yard split, zeroth percentile, four, six, four, four yard dash, 10th percentile, 31 and a half inch uh, vertical jump, ninth percentile. 
just bad testing numbers. Um, you know, for a guy who's like just his development track, he, I, I understand he had the injuries, but he just never really got, he never really, uh, took the next step as a player from what we saw, uh, his freshman year. And when I like really think about it, he just, he kind of seems to me like a guy who's, who's, best football is behind him rather than in front of him. Mm. All right. So those are all the guys that, that you're lower on than the consensus. This next list is, is kind of gimmicky. I'm not sure we're going to have much to say about it, but it is really interesting. It's the players that you have ranked exactly the same as the consensus board. So either everybody is hilariously wrong or everybody like these guys are just easy to figure out. I guess Uh, the list is Drake London wide receiver from USC at 15th overall, Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington at 18th overall, Matthew Butler out of Tennessee, defensive lineman at 134th, Dare Rosenthal out of Kentucky at offensive tackle at 149th, and Sterling Weatherford out of Miami of Ohio, a safety at 214th. Anything you want to say about any of these guys? Yeah, Sterling Weatherford is kind of like your budget Kyle Hamilton. Oh. Uh, just like tall, long box safety uh, got cooked at the senior bowl. Um, Yikes. so yeah, he'll be, he'll be a later round guy. Um, and then, you know, Dari, Dari Rosenthal is Dari, uh, sorry, Dari. has major hand usage problems that he needs to clean up, but he's an excellent athlete. So he's going to be one of those mid to late round flyers at offensive tackle. Okay. So this last category, it's top 50 players that you are high and low on. Um, these are guys that are going to be relevant, you know, in the first, second round, possibly in the third, but probably not. Um, these are guys that uh, there's there's three of each. So the the three that you are higher on than the consensus, Arnold Ebiketti, Ebiketti, Ebiketti out of Penn State. He's an edge player. The consensus has him at fiftieth. You have him 36 spots higher at 14th overall. So you think this guy's a top 15 player. Um, let's just go let, real quick on each of these guys. I want to hear what it is you think. What did you see with with Arnold that made you think he's a, a top 15 worthy player? Yeah, he's got a, a developed, refined pass rushing plan. Um, has a really good rip move. Uh, 34 plus inch arms, I think 34.13 inch arms, but he's six foot two, uh, which is a really interesting build. Hmm. Um, and if you imagine a six foot two guy with really good length versus a six foot five guy with really good length, the six foot two <laughs> guy is going to have better leverage and he's going to be able to, to strike upwards and get, right. get offensive tackles on their heels. You see that on Ebiketti's tape. Um, he's got a, a really explosive first step. He, if I can find, he had a 38-inch vert, 90th percentile, 95th percentile broad jump, 88th percentile three-cone, 86th percentile short shuttle. So all around a really, really high-level athlete. The the main issue with Ebiketti is his age. He's 23.26 years old on draft mm. day. And he is a little weak against the run. I've seen some people call him like a designated pass rusher or say that he's like a third down only rusher. I don't really see that. I mean, he's a little bit undersized in terms of weight, 250 pounds, but 
like I, he's a playmaker in the run game on a down to down basis. He might, he might get pushed around a little bit, but um, you know, with his ability to, to create leverage and use his hands, I could, I could see him developing into a really crafty run defender. So I like Arnold Abiketti. He's my third ranked edge um, over Jermaine Johnson. Wow. So just behind Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Yep. Interesting. All right. So a- another guy you have much higher is Travis Jones out of Connecticut, uh, UConn defensive lineman. The consensus has him at 42nd overall. You have him 25 spots lower at 17th. What did you like about Travis? Yeah. So Travis Jones is really interesting in a extremely weak defensive line class. Um, he plays like the projection for Travis Jones is to play nose tackle, but his skill set, like, I don't know if he could play three technique in the NFL, but I would at least describe him as like a playmaking nose tackle. He's more than just a guy that's going to, you know, take on blocks and anchor down, hold up against double teams. Like he, he's, he, he's got some really powerful hands. um, And, and I think he's someone that can be a kind of splash play guy in addition to being really solid from down to down. Um, and it got lost in, in all of the, the Georgia Bulldogs that, that tested so well, but Travis Jones had a, had a really good combine, a 9.40 relative athletic score. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you look at, you look at the defensive line class, if you're looking for like high level impact players on the D line, there's really three guys, the two Georgia, um, the Devonte Wyatt and Jordan Davis, and then Travis Jones. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if, if Jones snuck into the first round. Interesting. And this last guy that you're really, really high on Daxton Hill safety out of Michigan. The consensus has him at 27th overall. You have him 19 spots higher in your top 10, your eighth overall player. What do you love so much about Daxton? Yeah, he just he can just do it all. He played slot corner mostly for Michigan, uh, so a lot of like man coverage experience on slot receivers. But he's got the range to play deep safety, a four three eight forty ninety fifth percentile. Uh, he can turn his hips so smoothly. Uh, you see that with his three cone, which was ninety seventh percentile. Uh, he's really instinctive, instinctive uh, in zone coverage, and I I just think he's like a versatile chess piece that you can re the thing with the thing with Daxon Hill is like, I just don't see a lot of schemes that he doesn't fit into. So if, if Kyle Hamilton went to a team like um, just trying to think like, like Philadelphia or Tampa Bay teams that run a lot of zone coverage and he can just be that kind of like roaming guy, like over the middle of the field and playing the hooks and the hook zones and stuff and like be more of a, a legit box safety playing zone coverage. Like, I think that's a, I think he'll be a great player. Um, Daxton Hill, I think would be a similarly great player. The difference is that there's really not any teams that I don't think he would uh, have success. I don't think there's many roles that he wouldn't be successful in. So that's kind of why, you know, versatile it's, it's weird doing a draft board that's agnostic to what team it is because every right. team needs d- different stuff. So it's, it's never going to be perfect, but Daxon Hill's just versatility is what, what makes him my top rank safety. Interesting. So if he, if, if you are right on him, uh, some team, you know, that may pass on a Kyle Hamilton with a big safety need high in the first could get him and it'd be a real steal 
later in the first, a team, you know, I'm just trying yeah, to think. Yeah, I mean, in the, a handful in this of teams safety, that have two picks in, this in the first safety round. Class, it's hard for me to justify drafting Kyle Hamilton like in the top 10. Just um, because there's two options there. Well, I mean, not just two. Like, I, there are, I have so Oh, you just like the depth. I, I got gotcha. I love this safety class. I think it's really strong. Okay. All right. So these next three, and these are the last three players we're going to talk about. They're guys that are in the top 50 consensus that you have not in your top 50. You are much lower on these guys. The first of which is Christian Harris, a linebacker out of Alabama. The consensus has him at 48th overall. You have him 72 spots lower at 120th overall with a late fourth round draft grade. You just don't see it with Harris, huh? Yeah, Christian Harris was one of the first guys that I evaluated. Um, and, you know, I try to do my initial evaluations before I consume any like draft media or look at boards and stuff just so I can to stay have, as agnostic as possible. Make it right? like my, purely my own opinion. And I, mm-hmm. I watched him and I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a, a sixth round linebacker out of position like in in both phases of the game just doesn't uh doesn't strike me as a very instinctive player doesn't really have that ability to to diagnose quickly um too many reps where he just appeared completely dis- disinterested shying away from contact and kind of had like a negative progression arc throughout his career flashed early but failed to really develop he's you know, he's, he's got great length. He's a really fluid athlete, but to me, that's really it with Christian Harris. Okay. And the next guy on here, Roger McCreary is a cornerback out of Auburn. He's a guy that I've seen quite a bit in Titans mock drafts across the interwebs. The consensus board has him at 41st. You have him 49 spots lower at 90th. So what is it about McCreary that you aren't that high on, you know, looking at this, my guess might have something to do with his athletic traits because his RAS is significantly lower than you'd probably like a cornerbacks to be. Yeah. Roger McCreary is a tough player because I love his film. I love watching him, but he's just not a high end athlete really in any regard. And at the cornerback position, athleticism is just so important. It's key. Yeah. Um, You look at a guy who played a lot of press man on the outside, but he has 28.88 inch arms, which is zeroth percentile. Obviously, arm length is very important for press coverage. Um, you know, had a six percentile vert, 13th percentile broad, 20th percentile shuttle, 43rd percentile three cone, ran a four five flat. So just kind of a middling athlete in every perspective. And, you know, it's like it, 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 the NFL draft is projecting what these players can be it's not what they were in college and so roger mccurry to me just seems like a really good college corner but someone that's going to have to move into the slot in the nfl and just doesn't have the 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 juice that you really want at that position interesting and this last guy this one's the one that surprises me the most david ojabo out of michigan he's an edge player this might have something to do with the fact that he played opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, the consensus has him at 29th overall. You have him 40 spots lower at 69th. Am I on base there? Do you think he might struggle without an elite guy on the other end? Well, so the thing with David Ajabo is that uh, he tore his Achilles at his pro day. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that makes it kind of tough to grade. 
I literally, I basically, I took my tape grade and just dropped it one round because like, I don't know. I had him as a mid second round player. I was like, all right, mid third. Um, Cause he's basically going to miss his, his entire rookie year. Sure. I like, I like a team like uh, Houston or Atlanta that knows they're not going to be good this year. Maybe mm. taking them in the mid rounds, try to like get a steal, take a rounds, flyer on him. Just yeah. like a red shirt type of player. Um, I was a, a little bit before he got injured. I think I was a little bit lower on him. I just didn't see him as this like elite athlete that like he was being billed at. I mean, he's a really good athlete. Right. Um, but I mean, he's got a nine four Oh RAS. So I mean, from a- in this, in this edge class though, with how many just guys there are like True. even in the mid rounds, I don't know. I don't know how highly I'm, I'm taking David Ajabo. Well, and it's like, again, with an injury like that, you're taking a risk on that guy being able to come back and be the guy he was right. It's not a guaranteed right. thing. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it up for today. We've taken enough of everybody's time. We got three more episodes coming this week. Well, that's a lie. We've got at least three more episodes um, of this style of this format uh, covering the draft up until Thursday morning. We will have shows coming out. We've got another new show though on the 440 podcast network that is launching today, Monday, the 25th. It is a football show with Zach Lyons and Braden Gall every Monday and Thursday live across all platforms. Our buddies, Zach and Braden from uh, here with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network, respectively. They're getting together to do this new show. It's going to be a live show, video and podcast form. I'm really excited about it. I think you're going to enjoy it, especially if you've listened to their long forms on the 440 Podcast. Um, It's going to be like that is what I'm what I'm told. And so I think they're going to do a great job and we're excited to be, you know, announcing two new shows on the 440 podcast network today with Broadway ties as we work closely with them. Like I said, more shows coming later this week. We're going to do a mailbag either Tuesday or Wednesday. We've not decided yet, Um, but we've gotten a couple of mailbag questions this weekend and last week. If you've got more questions for us, there are multiple ways to reach us. What is the best of those ways, James? If I've got a question that I just want, to be sure is answered before the draft. And I don't want to listen. Maybe I don't want to listen to the full episode. I just want to hear my question at the beginning and move on with my day. How can I accomplish that without paying us off? I would say the best thing that you could do for this problem would be to go to Apple podcasts and okay. leave a five-star review with your uh-huh. question. And as I always say, your constructive criticism for Easton um, <laughs> Uh, like as many paragraphs as possible. Just, uh-huh. you know, I don't know what the character count on there is, but max it out probably. Yeah. Max it out. Um, <laughs> and, and we will get to that question and uh, right. You know, yeah. So, wins. so leave your question in the form of a five-star review on Apple podcasts and guaranteed to be, it is guaranteed to be answered this week. Top of the list. That's the best way to do that. And it helps us out. If you enjoy the show, help us out, do it that way. Um, and, and, We'll be very grateful to you. The other ways are to reach us on Twitter at Easton Freeze, at No Flags Film, or at the new uh, the new tag for the, the the new handle rather for the Titans Ten podcast uh, Twitter account. It's the same account, but it's now at Hot Read Pod on Twitter. Any of those three accounts, hit us up with DMs. They're all three open. You can ask your question there, and we will get to those. We'll also probably do an an all call for questions in the next day or two. We'll send out tweets and you can respond to those tweets. Multiple ways to do it. Um, but please, we welcome your questions on the draft. Anything last minute you got, Titans related, not Titans related, life related, hit us up. Um, follow No Flags Film on YouTube and subscribe to his Patreon. 
And for James Foster, I'm Easton Freeze. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Hot Read Pod. We will be back with you tomorrow. <laughs>